You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Oge Ogwe, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. Lord Jesus. Father, as your word is taught today, we thank you because it will come in simplicity. The Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the same was with God in the beginning and all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made in him was life. That life was the light of men. Lord, we pray that as your word is taught today to shine in the dark corners of our hearts and bring illumination in the name of Jesus. The word dwelt amongst us and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Lord, we pray that as your word is taught, we will behold you as you would have us see you in the name of Jesus. We pray that as your word is taught, that Jesus is glorified and we are edified. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 15. First of all, I want to say welcome to church. Nelly, how are you doing? It's good to see you. Um, a big welcome. Hi, Shion. I've, I've actually never seen you before. It's nice to see you. Welcome to church. A big welcome to everyone. Um, thank you for being a part of um, what is going on. So what's going to happen now is I'm going to leave this place because these people seem very hyped. And I'm coming to you guys. When I say welcome to church, you guys should like do some woo or clap or shout or something. Do we have an agreement? Yes, sir. All right, welcome to church. Woo! Yeah, that's the response. Thank you very much. First Timothy chapter 4 verse 15. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Sorry. So apparently I'm, I'm, I'm a media team's nightmare because I really hate staying behind the lectern. I like to come down and move around. Is it okay if I move around? Alright, thank you. First Timothy 4.15, it says, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Everybody read First Timothy 4.15 together. One, two, go. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your Hallelujah. Christian growth is possible. And not only is it possible, it's observable. It is observable. You can observe, not just in someone else's life, but in your life that I am growing. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's observable. Christian growth is observable. You can tell that last year or six months ago or three months ago, I didn't know this. I couldn't do this. But now I find myself doing it. I I couldn't pray well before, but now I pray better. I couldn't sing well. Okay, well, singing is not a part of Christian growth necessarily. There are some people that no matter the amount of hands you lay on them, they will never sing well. It's not their talent. It's not what God ordained them to do. They are good at other things. But Christian growth is observable. And that's beautiful. It's beautiful that we can observe something like that. It means that we can know if what we are doing is working or not. Why do you go to church? Why are you a part of a local assembly? Do you think that going to church is 
for charity's sake. Hello. You want? <laughs> Do you think that going to church is for charity's sake? So, I'm, I'm part of this church because the pastor is very nice and he takes care of my material needs. Now, I believe strongly that one of God's plans for the welfare of individuals in the local assembly is the local assembly. Do you understand? It's how God plans to take care of all of us. We are God's contingency plan for when you have emergencies. Do you hear what I'm saying? And not the church pastorate. The church is. So we have in Acts chapter 2, for instance, that they, they had all things in common. That is, they shared what they had with every one of themselves. Such that there was no poor amongst them because the poor was fed by the rich amongst them. You understand? That's God's plan. But that's not what makes a church a good local church. You see, because you can have that without being in a church. Raise your hand if I'm an Igbo boy, so I might murder this word. But I think the word is ajo in Yoruba. It's like when you community. There's an English word for it, but words fill me. Is it thrift? Yes. Is that what it is? That thing where they will say, bring your thank you, you bring your thank you, you bring, that's not thrift now. Eh, bring your thank you, bring your thank you. Bring. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. How many of you don't know what I'm talking about? Rich kids. Cooperative, yes. That's the one I was looking for. Where, okay, so for those who don't know what it is, bring your thank you, you bring your thank you, you bring your thank you, you bring your thank you, I'll bring my thank you. We'll put it together. So that's one, two, three, four, five people. So that's 50K. So this month we'll pay out 50K to this person. Then everybody will bring their thank you again. Next month we'll pay out 50. You get what I'm saying? So that way everybody takes care of everyone. You can have that without a local assembly. So the church wasn't set up for or primarily set up for your welfare. Why did God institute the church? Or more they can sing in that church. Yeah, I know. But that's not what church is for. There's a reason why we call it service on Sunday morning. We call it service for two things. You come to serve, all right, and you come to be served. What are you being served? Good music? Not necessarily. Life production is very hard, and not every church gets it right. So you may never get the best quality of music on a church stage. Some of you just put on your speakers in your car and play some nice worship songs and you are there. Great music. So why do you come to church? The answer is simple. For progress in the faith. First, um, First Timothy 4.15 For progress in the faith that you're profiting. Your progress might appear to all. In, in Philippians chapter 1 verse 25 I think it's Philippians 1.25 Put it up on the screen please. Philippians 1.25 I think Paul puts it this way. He says, knowing this I shall continue with you for your progress and joy in the faith. He says, I'm being confident of this. I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. So I can have progress of faith. I can have joy of faith. I can be a Christian and be joyful about it. I can be a Christian and be sure that I'm growing. It's progress. Do you understand what I'm saying? Progress is measurable. That's why it's called progress. Progress is measurable. When you were in school, the reason why at the end of every term, at the end of every semester, they would give you exams, you would write exams and all of that, is because they expect you to have made some certain level of progress in your 
academic pursuits. And at the end of the semester, they will test your progress level. Even if some lecturers are very wicked and they will give you questions that they never taught you. But they will test your progress level. Why? Progress is measurable. So why do you go to church? Say progress in the faith. Say joy in the faith. That's why we come to church. That's why God gives pastors. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. We read 11 to 13. To some he gave apostles, to some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Why did he give these ministry gifts? Verse 12. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now you may not understand what verse 12 is saying. Because it seems like verse 12 seems to connote that God wants you to go and become a preacher. Maybe, but that's not it. Not everyone should preach. Not everyone should preach from a stage like this. What does he mean, verse 13? Till we all come. Say, till we all come. To the unity of the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God. Say, to a perfect man. Now, hold on. Perfect there does not mean without mistake. Perfect there means mature. Do you understand? Mature. To a mature man, if you use um, some newer translations like NIV um, or NLT, you would see the word to a mature man. So the pastor is to bring you to maturity, to the unity of the faith. So we know that the pastor's work is done when we look into scriptures and see a good description of a Christian and we look at your life and it matches. Are, are you with me? And it matches. He says, to the perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Praise the Lord. I'm a young pastor, obviously. I'm a young pastor. And in our time, it's getting better now, but not many people see therapists. Their therapist is their pastor. Something wrong happens to you. The first person you look for is pastor. And some pastors are engraced with the wisdom to handle such situations. All right. I happen to be able to handle such situations. Maybe because I have some training as outside of pastoring. But some aren't. But you need to understand something. A pastor is not a good pastor only because he knows how to say the right things when you are in trouble to make you feel good. In fact, if a pastor knows how to say all the right things when you are in trouble to make you feel better, but cannot bring you to the unity of the faith, he is not a good pastor. You know that, right? This is primary assignment. This is primary assignment. I'm putting myself here for you people to judge. This is the man's primary assignment. To bring us all to the unity of the faith for the maturity of the Christian. That like Apollos, you know Apollos in Acts chapter 18, we may be eloquent, have some level of knowledge, but when people who have heard God's word, who have been trained, men who have been called to train others, when they hear Apollos speak like Priscilla and Aquila, they will say something is missing in what this guy is saying. Come aside. Um, you've been doing well, but you need to learn this and this and this. Why? Progress is measurable. We can, we can see a Christian, hear the way you speak and say, you don't know this. 
do you understand what I'm saying? Observe certain actions in your life and say, ha, it's like you don't know this. So you read 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, you see, especially in 1 Corinthians, where you see um, Paul addressing issues within the local assembly. And then you have people acting in unseeming ways. Paul's response was, know ye not. Because we can tell something, something need, you need to be taught. It's like you've not really learned this. It, it, it's just like if, if you were a lesson teacher and you were teaching a primary school student and then you get to a question that has to do with maybe a smaller number minus in a bigger number you will first of all ask have they taught you number line do you know that there are such things as negative numbers so three minus six is minus three you know what i mean yeah you can tell that there is a lapse in knowledge that's what the local church is for to build you up in that way and the pastor's primary tool for ministry is the word of God praise the Lord is the word of God listen let me tell you something God's word is potent sharper than any two-edged sword and it is the most effective tool of ministry that anybody can have. I know, I know you have a degree in psychology. I know you have a degree in philosophy. But hear me now. All of those things won't matter if the word of God is not present. Because the, the, the power of God unto salvation is the gospel. It must be preached. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15 2 Timothy 3 15 says and that from a child you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation verse 16 says all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for that word profitable is it is useful for this is what it was given for doctrine that is teaching number one number two it says reproof number three correction and then finally instruction in righteousness why? That the man of God, that is the child of God, may be truly furnished. That is, we want to see the child of God completely furnished. He says, perfect, mature unto every good work. So, a pastor's primary tool is the word of God. There is no aspect of the Christian life that is learned automatically. Do you understand what I'm saying? Listen. I love the ministry of angels. I love the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But let me tell you something. God will never delegate to a spiritual being something he has already put in his Bible. I'll say it again. God will never delegate like the dissemination of an information to a spiritual being something that he has already disseminated inside the Bible. I'll tell you three stories. The first is this. Jesus told a parable. There was a man. He was called Lazarus. He was a poor man. And then there was a rich man who was not nice to him while they were alive. They both died. Lazarus went to heaven. The rich man went to hell. You know the story? Great. Now, the rich man calls to Jesus. He says, send Lazarus to bring water for me because he still thought Lazarus was his servant. Like while he was alive. And Jesus says, no, I'm not doing that. He said, okay, if, if you won't do that, at least send Lazarus to go back. Man of God, how are you doing, sir? 
send Lazarus to go back to the earth and warn my brothers of the coming danger. And Jesus said, your brothers have the law and the prophets. I'm not sending anybody back to you. What did he mean by they have the law and the prophets? They have the scriptures. If you will not be persuaded by scriptures, you will be persuaded by visions either. Within the Bible is the safety of the Christian. Paul was speaking to, I think it was Timothy or Titus, and he told him to pay attention to sound doctrine. He says, because in so doing, you will save yourself and save your hearers. Are you with me? God will never delegate. So I know we prioritize, especially in um, our Pentecostal and charismatic circles, we prioritize visions and experiences and encounters. And I think those are important. So take note, I'm not saying it is not important to have encounters. I'm saying that it doesn't matter the encounter you have. The knowledge of God will not come from encounters. To come from scriptures first. It will come from scriptures first. Paul was on his way to Damascus. He was going to kill Christians. And Jesus, our Lord Jesus, the one that died for me and you, appeared to him. And he says, I am Jesus whom you persecute. Do you realize that it would have been very easy for Jesus to have led Paul to salvation? Say, so now repeat after me, Lord Jesus. Say, Lord Jesus, I accept you today. You are not, after killing people, you don't want to accept. As I accept you today, and come into my life. Okay, now you are a Christian, go and start preaching. No, Jesus told Paul, you will preach for me. You will do many things in my name. But, go and wait. There is a certain disciple I will send to you. He will speak words that you will be saved by. Jesus sent Paul to Ananias. You know, <laughs> many people would have said Jesus himself. And no man led me to God. Jesus appeared to me and I'm saved because I saw Jesus. But Jesus sent Paul to Ananias. Acts chapter 8. Peter is sleeping. Acts chapter 10 rather. Peter is sleeping. He has a vision. The Lord sends him. And then when he gets to Cornelius' house, Cornelius tells him this big story. I was praying. Of course not to God. He was praying to other idols. And an angel appeared to Cornelius and said, Hi Cornelius, how are you doing? Peace be unto you. Your arms and your devotion, they were ascended unto God as a memorial. So, send for Peter. So that he will bring salvation to your household. Why didn't the angel do it? Say, Cornelius, you look like a good man. Let me tell you something. Do you know that God loves you? Say, today salvation has come unto you. <laughs> Rejoice. Celebrate grace. <laughs> why, didn't, why didn't the angel do it? Because God will never delegate to a supernatural being something he has already put in the hands of man. So let me tell you now. <laughs> Listen. What I'm saying is not far-fetched. Even in your experience with God, are you with me? Many things that the Holy Ghost tells you, He will send people to confirm. Is that correct? 
Because God will never. So your growth is not, you know people who say, if you just stay in your house, you and God, you will grow. I can categorically tell you that you will not. You know why? There's this song we used to sing in Sunday school. I pray for you. You pray for me. I love you. I need you to survive. That's the way it is. Independence is not God's idea. Do you hear what I'm saying? Ah, it's not. It's a lie from the pit of hell. That voice that's telling you, do it on your own. You can be on your own and be strong on your own. and You don't need anybody. It's not God's idea. When God created man, God said it is not good for him to be alone. Do you hear me? Yes, sir. So in your pursuit of God, you need another man. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying? Now, I apologize on behalf of... I apologize to everyone who... Because I, I have to acknowledge that there are men who have abused the spiritual authority that God gave them as pastors. And they have used it wrongly, lorded over God's people. But hear me, hear me. If you fall into the category of people who have been hurt, first of all, I am very sorry. But secondly, don't let the devil have you. Don't let the devil trick you into thinking, you don't need any man of God. You don't need any pastor. You don't need a pastor in your life. If the early church needed pastors, God gave pastors. God is all wise. We, we will submit to his leadership. As I am, I have a pastor. Do you hear what I'm saying? Nothing is learned automatically. Nothing is learned automatically. Nothing. In fact, I fear anybody who says, this thing I'm about to teach you now, nobody has ever taught it before. So in the 2,000 plus years that Christianity has been in existence, nobody has taught it before. And you don't think there's a reason why? I'm very afraid when people talk like that. Because many times, such speech is sponsored by arrogance. You, have, you feel like you have a special claim to revelation. Nobody does. <laughs> Paul, Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. But when you read Paul's arguments in Galatians 2 about his own ministry, Paul said after he finished discovering all that he wrote in the Bible, he went to the apostles that were with Jesus and said, is it true or is it not true? So Peter, James, and John read Paul's writings and said, ah, this makes sense. This is true. This is everything Jesus taught us. He said, okay, good. Before he went out to go and start teaching, nothing is learned automatically. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I know there's a scripture that people always say, the Holy Ghost will teach you all things. But remember that Jesus said, the first thing Jesus said is he will bring to your remembrance all that I have taught you. He will not speak of himself. So what the Holy Ghost does is bring back to remembrance what the Lord has taught you in his word. It is the same way in Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness covered um, the surface of the earth. And the spirit of God hovered over the surface of the deep. Then God said, the spirit will partner with the word to bring light. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The spirit himself is not what is bringing the light. The word must be present for the spirit to walk on to bring light. And I'm not just talking about light. I'm talking about revelation in your life. So for some of you, you may have experienced something like this. 
you know a portion of scripture it never made sense to you it was just there one day it was like it just hit you oh that's what it means that's the holy ghost helping you but he will not arbitrarily out of nowhere start teaching you things that the bible does not teach do you hear what i'm saying nothing is learned automatically even prayer which is the emphasis for this this month's teaching series raise your hand if you grew up in a christian home raised above your head put your hands together for your parents when when you become a parent you will know it's not easy you will know especially in this generation where people are now self-identifying as microwave oven, it's not easy at all. It's not, it's not easy at all. <laughs> right? But if you grew up in a Christian home, something happened. When you learned how to talk, one day, they just shared devotion roster and your name was on it. You have prayer. Nobody ever taught you to pray. <laughs> what do I say? Just say anything. Just talk to God. How? I don't know. Just talk. Be talking. Is that, is that what happened to you? Yes, sir. They just shared your name. Say, you are leading devotion today. You are preaching. Preaching what? <laughs> preaching. Now, thankfully, we had mediums like Open Heavens um, by Daddy Gio and all those other devotional. So you would just read the Open Heavens and God will save you from shame. <laughs> is that correct? But otherwise, they will not tell you to pray. If, you, if you've seen all those younger ones pray, they will now start praying, Father, we thank you for the sun. We thank you for the moon. Thank you for water. Because they don't know what to pray. <laughs> because nothing is not automatically. The Bible says it has to be line upon line, precept upon precept. If Jesus' disciples could walk to Jesus and say, teach us to pray, <laughs> it means that... Is a, is a, it's a curriculum in the school of the spirit. You must learn how to pray. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Do you know that this is one major reason why many of us don't trust our prayers? We're never taught. We are always looking for someone who we perceive has higher authority than us to pray for us. Because we feel like I've been winging this thing all my life, but now I really need prayer. So I need to go and look for someone that looks like they know what they are doing to pray for me because I don't know what I'm doing so please <laughs> praise the Lord Hallelujah. many things are taught and then there are many teachings on prayer there's teaching on where to pray when you pray don't pray in public go and lock yourself inside your wardrobe and pray and then don't let, don't let anybody see you praying you know you have to have a prayer room Raise your hand if you've seen the movie War Room. Keep your hand up if after that movie you try to copy the woman. You now have your own special prayer place. There's teaching on where to pray. There's teaching on when to pray. Praying in the morning is good. Praying in the afternoon is good. But you see midnight prayers. You see midnight prayers. Your, your mouth is like God's ear like this. <laughs> right? And I do not... Listen, listen. <laughs> I do think there's a significance to praying in the middle of the night. I do. I don't think that God hears you more when you pray in the middle of the night. No, he hears you anytime. 
But I think it has the same effect fasting has on prayers, where you deprive your body of essential pleasure to focus on spiritual things. You amplify the effect of those spiritual things. So yes, I, I do think there's an effect to midnight prayers. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? So I'm not mocking. Feel like don't pray. You will see shaky. Feel <laughs> like don't pray. There's an effect. There's, a, there's even how to pray as in the postures. You, when you pray, kneel. This type of prayer, kneel down. In this type of prayer, you stand in authority. When you pray, be fervent. Raise your voice. All of them are important. We'll teach all of them this month. But there is one that we don't really emphasize on in the body of Christ. And it seemed to be Jesus' emphasis in prayer. Matthew chapter 6. So we want to make progress now in prayer. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah, we want to make progress in prayer. So after today's teaching, the hope is when it's time to pray, you pray better. You can see evidence of growth in your prayer life. Matthew chapter 6. We'll read from verse 5 to 9. It says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corner of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say unto you, they already have their reward. Verse 6. He says, But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. 7. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they do think that they will be heard for their many words. 8. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. 9. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Listen, there's an emphasis Jesus made subconsciously in these portions of scripture. Of course, he said, when you pray, don't, don't pray to be seen. And we've emphasized on that. Don't pray so that people will see you praying and say, ah, oh, this guy is spiritual low. I wish I can be like this person. No, Jesus says, don't do that. If you do that, you already have your reward. Jesus says, don't pray with vain repetitions. Thinking that because of your vain repetitions, he will hear you. All right? But beyond those two things, there was something else Jesus emphasized that seems to be more important than the two. He kept saying, when you are speaking to your father, are you seeing this? Your father. In fact, it says, when you pray, pray in this manner, our father. The most important, listen, where you pray is important. When you pray is important. How you pray in mannerisms is important. But the more important thing than those three things is who is praying. <laughs> Matthew 7, 11. Let, let me show you what I'm talking about. Matthew 7, 11. This one time you guys are going to fast. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. Everybody read the next line together once ago. How much more will your... Who is in heaven? Give good things. Notice, if you know how to give good gifts, being evil, how much more will your father? The most important thing is 
who is praying. Because no matter how sound the words are, the prayer of a sinner will always be an abomination unto God. Are you with me? No matter how weighty the words are, you know there are people who know how to speak weighty words. When they talk, they say, "Mm, it has entered. No matter how weighty the words are, the prayer of a sinner will always be an abomination unto God. So what makes the prayer effective is first of all, who is doing the praying? When you pray, say, our Father, there has to be If you grew up with, um, on, or, or, or let me start by saying this, unfortunately, not every earthly father perfectly mirrors fatherhood as, she, as it should be. But if you grew up with a good dad, even if you had honor for your father, and uh, there's a fear that we all reserved for our dads growing up, there is a way you approach him to ask for things because you know that if he has the ability to do it, Hmm? and he's willing to do it, he will do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you don't approach him like it's time to pay your school fees. You know your dad is willing to pay your school fees because first of all, he's the one that put you inside that school. Right? So now you want to approach him to say it is time for school fees. You don't go through your older brother some people did, but the proper thing is not to go through, say, um, brother, please help me to remind daddy. Because I, I can't talk to him direct. Go and talk on my behalf. No. There is, a, there is a sense of identity that a son has or a child has before their parents. Even before you were old enough to know anything, you have a little child like that, toddling and running up and down. The father comes back from work and the little child doesn't look at the father and start thinking, have I been good today or not? The little child's first reaction is to lift hands, carry me, welcome back. I don't know, I don't care how tired you are, carry me. (laughs) Is that correct? Because the little child knows this is my father. I'm safe with this person. Jesus said, when you pray, say, our father. So more important than even speaking in tongues. Say the most important effective way to pray is pray in tongues. No. The most effective way to pray is to first have a sense of identity. A proper sense of identity. Who is praying? When you have that sense of identity, how you pray will change. You would realize really... God will not listen to this, his daughter, more than he listens to this, his son. Do you hear what I'm saying? When you pray, say, our father. Another popular scripture that has been used to teach on prayer is James chapter 5 verse 16. James 5 16 says, confess your faults one to another. Pray you one for another that you may be healed. He says, the effect, effectual fervent prayer of who? Of who? So notice, it wasn't about how effectual the prayer was. It wasn't about how fervent the prayer was. If the prayer was effectual and fervent, but it was a sinner praying, it won't avail much. Are you with me? 
but it avails much because it's a righteous man. Now, who is a righteous man? A righteous man is not only a person who does right. If, it, if that was the criteria, none of us is righteous. Who is a righteous man? The Bible tells us that he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we may become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So the righteous man is the one God has called righteous and justified. Do you hear what I'm saying? Romans chapter 4, blessed is the man against whom God does not impute trespasses, whose sins are not accounted against him. Do you understand? Say, I'm that man. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, I can stand before God and say, by myself, I'm not worthy. But you chose to call me righteous. I may not see it. I'm still a work in progress. I'm trying my best and doing my best, but I will come boldly before you. Do you understand? I will come boldly. When you learn to pray like this, a lot of things will just go out of the way. So imagine, imagine you have this idea. You know this thing very well. And then you, you, you open your mouth and you want to pray to God and the devil is saying, do you, do you remember that last night you stole your brother's food? When your brother was meant to be eating, he was very hungry. You stole it and you lied it was not you. Now you want to open your mouth and pray to God. How now? When the devil starts to bring accusations before you, you will now, it will now be like you people are having family issues in the house. Say your dad is scolding you or your mom is scolding you. Something is happening in the house and there's a passerby outside that's now tricking him out. You will first of all say, Daddy, please don't be angry. What's your business? Do you understand? When the devil starts to bring accusations, you say, this is, a, this is, a, is, a, is between father and sons. You have no business here. Go away. If you don't let condemnation stop you, you will achieve a lot. <laughs> I'm not asking you to be proud of your wrongdoing, but I'm asking you to not feel guilty before the wrong person. <laughs> when the devil comes to tell you you are bad, you are this, he says, it's not you that you don't have any right to say that to me. The person who I have sinned against has forgiven me. Do you understand? You, you, you don't have... It, it's like you did something to her. Then she said, I've forgiven you. Then this was not saying, how could you have done that? Did I... What, who are you? Who are you? This thing has hindered your prayer life a lot. So you did something wrong. You were, you, and then it's time to pray. And you start feeling like, I can't pray well. You need to understand that our relationship with God is not transactional. Because if it were transactional, we don't have enough to offer him. What do you want to offer him that he wants? Say, God, I give you my life. I give it to you in the first place. Say, God, if you do it for me, I will serve you with the, for, uh, with, uh, for the rest of my life. How is that enticing to him? He has angels who are on standby to do his bidding, 247. You, you will lie that you will serve him for the rest of your life. He will do it for you. Then you will go back and not serve him. Then three weeks later, when you need him again, you say, God, I know that I promised you before. But now, now, try me and see. <laughs> what do you want to offer God that he does not have? I think that when we think that we can impress God, I think we don't understand who he is. 
and what it means for him to be God. Say, God, I'm not sleeping now. So you must answer my prayer. I, I neither slumber nor sleep. At least while you're praying, you may slumber, you do smile. It does not happen to me. I don't understand the concept. So I'm not impressed that you're not sleeping. What exactly do you want to do to impress God? <laughs> so we must never approach prayer transactionally. Which is how many of us have up until now. Subconsciously, we all, even me that I'm teaching you, we all do this thing that I'm about to describe now. When you want to pray, you first of all run a mental check. Have I been good lately? What have I done wrong recently? I'm cool. Then you start praying. Raise your hand if you do it. Thank you for being honest. You just check yourself that, ah, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Then you start praying. We can't pray transactionally. We can't. <laughs> we must pray from a sense of identity. Do you understand? The only way we can come boldly before the throne of grace is if we know that we are welcome there. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? You know what I mean? My, my wife does not knock to enter our house. So she will get into the house. She will get to the gate. Now knock. Please be upon this house. Oh. Who is at home? No. It's her house. She just opens the door and walks in. Is that correct? But if you're a stranger, if they bring you well, don't knock. If you do anyhow, you see anyhow. <laughs> you knock before you enter because you're a stranger. It's a matter of identity. Do you understand what I'm saying? When we have children... They won't knock to enter inside the house. It's your house. Enter the house. Why? Identity. Listen, there's something you must learn now. When you pray, you are not attempting to get God's attention. You already have his attention. When you say, Father, he says, yes, son. Do you hear what I'm saying? So the way you pray must change. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Some things must go out of the way. Father, we are not worthy to come before you. He knows. He already, in fact, he knew you were not worthy before. So he called you his righteousness. He called you to come. He asked you to come boldly. Do you understand what I'm saying? So instead of saying we're not worthy before you to come before you, why don't you go and say, Father, Thank you for making it possible for me to stand before you. Thank you. And then go on and, and pray what you need to pray. Jesus said, when you pray, say, our Father. Listen, we are Africans. We love Oriki. <laughs> Have you gone for a wedding before and they will sing your praise before? Has it happened to you before? Raise your hand if, if they've done it to you before. That you went for a wedding then those evil spirits that are doing because that's what they are <laughs> they are singing where they are singing and then they now see you then they now start hailing you I know someone that it happened to one of our pastors in the Lagos church went for a friend's wedding when he was going for the wedding he carried the money that he would pray put inside his pocket he got there he finished praying the money then they started singing his praise and you know those people that sell money they will sell it on credit just I take be spraying, keep going. <laughs> the, the salary they just paid him, he almost finished it. And we're Africans, we love that. So we think that 
God is impressed by it. So it's time to pray. We start saying, King of kings, Lord of lords, everlasting Father, ancient of days, I am that I am, this rose of Sharon, and all of those things are good. But no name is better than Father. Do you hear what I'm saying? No name is more personal to God than Father. See, your ask your earthly fathers. You may go and call him the emperor, the conqueror, the lion, the champion, <laughs> and all of those things. But the name that he answers to is daddy. That's the one he wants to hear. Because that's the one that moves him. In that name, you, you, your submission and openness is, is, made, is made clear. In fact, when you come and start saying, Odogu, the emperor, he will say, what do you want? <laughs> Am I saying we shouldn't sing God's praises? No, far from it. Far from it. Even in prayer, call him all those good names. But don't call him those names thinking that he will hear you because of your many words. Do you, do you understand? Yeah. When you pray, say, Our That's it. That's how to pray. First step to prayer is knowing that you are his son. And that if you being evil, and when he said if you being evil, it doesn't mean you are a bad person. It means in comparison to God, we are all evil. Do we agree? So if you being evil know how to give good gifts, if you won't give a serpent to a son that asks you for fish, or you won't give stone to someone that asks you for bread, then know this and know it very well. God will never turn his back on a son that cries out to him. He will never. Do you know how much better your prayer life will be if you understood this thing I'm teaching you? Think about it. And you can stand with boldness and declare. Like, you can stand with boldness and talk to God. You can do something wrong. You know one of the devil's big tricks is you will do something wrong. And when you should run back to your father and say, Daddy, I've done something that I'm not supposed to do. Please help me. The devil will say, God does not want to hear from you right now. He doesn't want to hear from you. Go and clean yourself. It's, it's akin to a child who messes their diaper up. And things that they need to go and clean themselves before, before they can stand in front of their parents. What kind of a mother would any mother be if a child messes her diaper up or his diaper up and comes to the mother for help and the mother says, you are smelling, you are filthy, go and clean yourself before you can come back to me. If you heard of a mother like that, how would you describe her? You would call her wicked, inconsiderate unfair, unrighteous. You will call her many names. If you don't expect that amount of wickedness from earthly people, why do you expect it of God? Why do you expect it of God? Why do you think that God would require that you go clean yourself up first before you come back to meet him? The devil knows that you can't clean yourself up. He knows that what is most likely going to happen is when you walk away from God thinking you are not worthy of him and you can't talk to him so you need to go and walk on yourself, you will go and because you are far away from him, you will make the same mistake again. And you will make that mistake again and again and again and again until you come to one of two conclusions. Number one, it is either you come to the conclusion that this is who I am now. So I will just keep making this mistake. I'm prepared to go to hell. Have you seen people talk like that before? Or number two, you say, God does not, God, I don't care about God, I beg. God does not exist. Go away. 
One of those two conclusions. The devil knew. Where did it start from? You made one mistake. And when you should run to daddy and say, daddy, please help me. You said, no, no, no. I, I need to go and work on myself. I need to go and fix my stuff. I'm tired of telling God that I will change and I will not change. Do you think he didn't know that you won't make the mistake? I think we don't understand how far, what, how, how wide God's mind is. Say, I've disappointed God. No, no, no. You disappointed yourself. He knew that the heart of man was desperately wicked since. When, when Jesus Jesus was about to die, he called his best friends. said, let's go and pray. They want to kill me. He went to pray. He says, you will stay here. Be praying. Let me go and talk to my father. He went further to pray. One hour he came back, Peter was sleeping. He was, you know that he has knockout. Because if he was if he was dozing in and out, you'd have seen Jesus from afar, or have heard footsteps, arrange himself and pretend. No, he was gone. And Peter, Jesus comes and says, Couldn't you watch with me for one hour? Then Jesus says something profound. He says, Well, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Do you know that it was Jesus that made that statement? If Jesus made that statement, why do you think God does not understand your frailty when you make mistakes? Why? <laughs> he knows your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. So your flesh needs help. So he sends his spirit to help you. When you need help, his spirit is meant to help you. So if you do make a mistake, come back. I'm not advocating for you to do anyhow and keep living in sin. But I'm saying if you ever, this is what I'm saying, John chapter 2. If any man commits sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous, who is the propitiation of our sins. Not just our sins, but the sins of the whole world. First John chapter 2. That's what I'm saying. So, our response is to come boldly. Do you hear me? Our response is to come boldly. Say, God, I'm here. I, I know that I'm not supposed to have done this, but daddy, I need help. Have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy. And have mercy is not, please don't visit me unrighteous or in your uh, unrighteous anger or righteous. No, no. Have mercy is help me through this thing. You must see that it is not you against God or God against you. It is you and God against the problem. Do you understand? Yes, That's what scriptures teach. That you come boldly in your time of need. Do you see it? I, I, I don't know if you can see it. He says, come boldly that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in your time of need. Many of us want to go boldly when we feel like we don't need God. Want to go and tell him that we did it now. See us now. My face show. <laughs> we want to go and stand before God and brag. But what do we have that we did not receive? Paul says, where then is boasting? He says, it is excluded. There is no boasting. So we come boldly when we have need. Say, God. I've been struggling with these lustful thoughts now for months. I've done all the things that I thought I could do by my own power. At the beginning of the year, I made a resolution. God, if I look at somebody somehow, I'll remove my eyes. You know that we think that, we think that the severity of the punishment will, will deter us from doing the thing. We think that we can scare ourselves into doing the right thing. 
<laughs> have you shocked yourself before? You say, God, if I do this thing, kill me. The next day, you do it. You say, ah, that didn't take long ago. Ah, God, please don't kill. Thank God, thank God he does not listen to those things when we say them. All of us would have been dead. <laughs> say, God, this year, sweeping declaration, I will not drink alcohol again. This year. Watch it. If I drink alcohol, turn me to stone. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Say I'm God's child. You guys don't you don't you don't sound like you know it. Say I'm God's child. Say I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Say it, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Say I will pray boldly. Say, I will pray with boldness. Hallelujah. This is what I'm going to ask us to do. I'm, I'm done teaching. This is what I'm going to ask us to do. We're going to take the next five minutes. This prayer time, you don't need to shout. You don't need to raise your voice. Let us retrace our steps. Because I know, as I was speaking, I know there are people's hearts that the devil has taken far away from God. Making those people think, you, you, you don't have a right to demand or talk to God. Because of X, Y, Z wrongs that you have done. And so, we haven't properly had the time to tell God that I'm sorry for not doing this. For acting this way. Or not doing the right thing. In the next few minutes, this is not an altar call um, the music will play where you are seated, bow your heads and talk to God as your father, as you, be intentional about what you are saying, this is not time to pray in tongues excessively, this is time to just tell God, daddy I recognize that you are my father and I will talk to you as a son talks to his dad, as a daughter talks to her dad I will speak freely with you I will communicate with you I apologize for XYZ wrong thing that I have done. I know that you are not chasing me away. I know that you are not pushing me far away. I thought it before, but I, I repent of that thinking. And now I, I, I crawl back to you. I come back to you. Like the prodigal son, I can see now you are standing outside with arms wide open waiting for me to return. I had thought that I would need to arrange myself and come and tell you to take me back not as a son, as a daughter, but as one of your hired servants. But I can see that as I run towards you, I can see you are running towards me. Your love is magnificent, enveloping me, changing my life. And so I submit, I submit to your love. I submit to your fatherhood. I allow myself to be taken care of you as my father. Pray, pray, pray. You have two minutes left to pray like that. Just pray. I'm ready to get it right now. To set my heart right before you. I know that I need help. I need help to get it right. I need help to set my heart right before you. So help me through it. Help me through it. Shadow, you didn't light up. Mountain, you didn't climb up. You are coming after me. The snow wall, you didn't kick down. Or lie, you didn't tear down. You are coming after me. 
There's no shadow you didn't light up A mountain you didn't climb up You were coming after me There's no wall you didn't kick down No wall you didn't kick down Or light didn't tear down You were coming after me There's no shadow you didn't light up No shadow you didn't light up A mountain you didn't climb up You were coming after me There's no wall you didn't kick down No wall you didn't kick down Lighting tear down Coming after me I am chosen Not forsaken I am who you say I am You are for me Not against me I am who you say I am I am chosen not forsaken. not forsaken. I am who you say I am. I am who you say I am. You are for me, are for not, me. Against me. not against Come me. Come on, sing it like you know it. I am, I yes. Am who you say I, am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Daddy, thank you for your fatherhood. Thank you for being our daddy. Thank you for being our father. Thank you for being our father. Open your eyes. I know I said I had, I had finished, but the Holy Spirit brought this story to mind while we were praying. And it's the story of the prodigal son. of that story how that boy literally stole what his father's property was his father's possessions and ran away and squandered it threw it all away and when he came to his realization I'm better than this this is not who I am he started to think like we all do I will go back but I don't think I have a right to be called a son anymore so I would say, not take me back, not as your son or your daughter, but as one as your as one of your hired servants. Which means you can discard me whenever. Let me just come back as your heart. Maybe I will walk my way back into his heart. And so there he is, rehearsing those lines, looking down, thinking to himself, I've really messed up. But at least God will take me back as his servant. And his father was outside. And the father sees him from afar. And the Bible says the father runs towards him with arms wide open. The guy didn't even get the opportunity to say what he had rehearsed. The father planted a kiss on his head, put his ring on his hand, and said, Rejoice, throw a party, because my son that was lost is now found. Do you, do you know how powerful that is? That no matter what's wrong, God is, listen, God is more interested in reconciliation than he is in retribution. He's more interested in reconciling with you than he is in punishing you. Do you know that that's a powerful thing? 
And we may have argued on the truthfulness of the story. If it was some other apostle that told it, it was Jesus himself that presented God in that way. Don't let anything, are you hearing what I'm saying? Anything keep you from your father. Don't let anything. The mistake that that boy made was he didn't get back home sooner. Don't make the mistake of the prodigal son. Get back home sooner. I'm looking at someone, not physically now, the Lord is showing me a vision of a person. You used to be very um, vibrant and on fire for God in secondary school. You left school, you mixed with the wrong um, crowd, and you, you just went the wrong way. And even as I'm teaching, you're remembering those days when you used to preach God's word and you used to proclaim God's truth. Let me say God's word back to you now. Come back home. Do you hear what I'm saying? Notice that when the prodigal son came back, the father didn't say, okay, now that you are back, you're on probation. Do you hear what I'm saying? You're on probation for, let's see, you were gone for three years times two, six years. You're on probation for six years. I will now choose whether you are a son after those six years. No. Immediately he became God's son. Let me tell you something. Anybody that maybe when you were following God, you lost your way. When you come back, you return back to where you stopped. He doesn't withdraw you. He doesn't go back and punish you. Mm -mm. Where you stopped. So if God used to use you mightily before, you lost your way. Guess what? The moment you return, as long as you are open to it, you'll be used mightily again. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Thank you, Daddy, for your grace. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Praise the Lord. I don't want to keep you here longer than we promised to keep you. So, Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Were you blessed by the word? All right. Thank you for listening. For more, head over to circlechurchglobal.org or visit any of the church campus addresses on the website. God bless you.